0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to One on One with the Canon podcast show brought to you by WCANmedia.com, where tomorrow's services are here today. And with me in the studio is a good friend of mine, Jack Hall. How are you doing? I'm doing great this afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Glad you accepted the assignment and came here.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much for having me.
0: On today's program, everyone, we'll talk about a very Universal. Can we call it Universal? Because we can go anywhere with this, right?
1: I'll call it Epic. Epic? Epic. I'll
0: call it Cinematic. (laughs) Your turn. (laughs) Excuse me, everyone. But anyways, we're going to talk about Police reform right here on One on One with the Cannon Podcast show coming your way right after this. Greetings. I'm Samuel Hampton II, producer at WCAN-TV. WCAN-TV is currently looking for quality programming for 30 to 60 minutes. If you have a message that you would like to share to the world, please contact me at 440-836-4591 or at tvwcan at yahoo.com. Thank you.
1: Hello. My name is Shelly Mathis, and I am CEO and founder of Shelly Mathis Counseling Services. We specialize in mental health, trauma, and also substance abuse, with an expertise in depression and anxiety for individuals, groups, couples, marriage and families, and also child and adolescents. If you're in need of assistance, give us a call at 330-577-8548. Thank you.
0: Hi, I'm Joseph with Power to Become, an executive director with the John Maxwell team, bringing transformational training around the globe, making a difference when it makes a difference. We want to connect with you. Go to power2become.org or .com and connect with
1: us now. Hi, my name is Dr. Marlene Carson, and I am a survivor of domestic minor sex trafficking. What is a survivor, you ask? Well, I survived sex trafficking as a child. I thrive in business and ministry, and I'm here to help you revive your dead dreams, visions, and purpose. If you would like to connect with a survivor community, please reach out to www.rahabshopeofohio.org. That website address, again, is www.rahabshopeofohio.org.
0: Welcome back to one-on-one. Let's talk about police reform.
1: That is going to be a very interesting topic today. Where do we start? Where do you want to start at? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll throw the question back at you. I mean— I know you're the one asking the questions. (laughs) Yes, I'm asking the questions. What is your vision or envision, I should say, of what police reform is? It depends on what area we're referring to. How about
0: police brutality? Reform? Yeah, that's a part of reform. Okay, so let's, let's, let's start there. Why don't we have reform? And who's responsible for their officers?
1: Every officer themselves primarily is responsible for themselves. And then the administration of the department comes down to the sheriff, the chief of police, is overall responsible for the policy. Um, Right now, there's no state or federal guidelines except for going outside of your confines, what's called the color of your office. And again, there's no specific – documentation as to what that is. It has to be decided on an individual case-by-case basis by a court. Okay, let's to... back up. Let's back up. Okay, if we have, let's
0: give a hypothetical situation. An officer abuses someone, abuses mm-hmm. his authority. Okay, you said the responsibility is his, right? That is correct. But he or she is wrong. Who does it go to next then?
1: In most cases, it's the department's responsibility. The chief? Yep, or the, the chief. Chair? So why don't they step in? Well, it all comes down to what the policy states for the department. Okay. And surprisingly, some departments, even to this day, still do not have a policy when it comes to complaints about brutality, complaints about excessive use of. OK, course.
0: let me ask you something, sir. Uh, one case I forgot where it was at, but the officer had the guy down on the, in, the, in the middle of the road, and the other officer came up and stomped on his head. Now you being the chief of sheriff, you've seen that. What would be your reaction to that? Immediately. What would be your reaction?
1: Well, there's going to be an emotional reaction immediately, no matter who watches that. There's going to be a we're human. There's going to be a reaction that you're going to be like, "Whoa, what just what just took place there? What happened?" Okay, but from a authoritative position,
0: you being the sheriff or the chief, and you seeing your man do that, what's the first thing coming in your mind?
1: Yes, I said we're all human. There's going to be a reaction to that, saying, "Wow." Did somebody just do that to somebody else? So that's going to be the first. Then we have to get over that as police administrators. We have to look at it now as what took place here. There is a whole series of events that we have to look at what led up to that, what happened during the situation, what evidence do we have that documented this situation, and what was the officer thinking because they are responsible for his or own actions at the time that this actually took place. Okay, but
0: Jack, a kick in the head. I mean, that's just plain and cut to the dry, isn't it? To the bone. You just seen someone got kicked in the head. What conversation could you have about that?
1: Comes down to this. What's that? Were they handcuffed when yep. they were kicked in the head? Yep. If they were handcuffed when they were kicked in the head, what? that removes an argument from an administrative standpoint in regards to that the use of force could be considered That's what allowed I'm saying. Because the person was already in custody. So the use of force is allowed still? Not at that point in time. Okay. If you already have them in cuffs, right. they are in custody. Right. All right. Use of force sometimes in those situations has to be looked at from a totality of the circumstances where you have to look at everything. The reason I, I say why is, is because somebody could be somebody could be in custody. Somebody could be getting up and they're attempting to use their head as a weapon, to headbutt somebody, whatever else. Okay. It would be an extraordinary situation okay. to say, would that ever be allowed? Okay. But you have to look at everything. Okay,
0: so if you've seen an individual on video laying on the ground, handcuffed, okay, under control, no threat to the officers, a new officer shows up and just kicks him in the head. I'm just asking, that's not an emotional response. You know, to me, uh, go through internal affairs, turn your badge and gun in. That's why I said immediately. That's unnecessary right there. Now, I'll just let him go through the process. If he wins, he gets his job back, fine. But I took immediate action. Correct. OK, but a lot of them don't do that.
1: I think what happens a lot of times as administrators, there's a history of, OK, will this go to arbitration? Is the officer going to argue the uh, discipline for the time off? Or is, is the union going to get involved? Is there going to be an argument? As a police administrator in today's day and age, you have to look at reestablishing trust with the community that you're serving. So there's going to be an initial emotional reaction to what's going on, and as a police administrator, there is an action that has to be taken at that point in time okay, and to called- say the officer's on suspension. He'll probably be on paid leave, That's which is what not I'm going saying. to be taken. transparency immediately. Yes, but you what? have to remove the officer from the situation, and you have to show the public right that we are starting an impartial investigation but, to find the truth as to what happened. But my friend. You don't see that happen all the time. No,
0: unfortunately. You That's what not. I'm talking about. Reform. Right. Now, if I was a chief of the city, of, a police, of the police department in the city, I would have took action against a person immediately on that. I would show transparency. Go through the process, John. Mm-hmm. Turn your badge, gun, in, go through the process. That would send a
1: message to the rest of the force, wouldn't it? You're not looking to send a message to the rest of the force. Oh, yes, sir, because there's some more, you know what? There's some more of them in there. But there should be a policy and procedure already in place. Okay. So you have to follow the policy and procedure. It's already in place. Okay. The force already knows that there's going to be a message there. More importantly, you are trying to send a message to the community. True. That we hear you and that we're taking action on this and we're moving on this situation because we take the situation seriously. Maybe I didn't make myself clear. I am enforcing a policy okay but I'm taking mm-hmm.
0: immediate action against it mm-hmm. I'm also sending a message left and right to the department and the community that I will be transparent transparent and I will not allow things that goes against uh governmental should we say uh, policies all right again it's not happening no I watch YouTube all the time I watch these chiefs they say, well this not this is being investigated say well you know I didn't like that okay? Now, right now, internal affairs is taking care of blah, 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 okay? They don't say that. That's what I'm saying. It has to be some reform somewhere.
1: Well, first of all, you mentioned internal affairs okay. will be taking care of that. We look at the state of Ohio. There's over 900 law enforcement agencies in the state of Ohio. The majority of those law enforcement agencies have less than 20 people on the okay. department. So we're talking a lot of small town departments located
0: True. all
1: over the state of Ohio. Some departments, it's only the chief. Some departments, it's the chief and maybe two people that are on the department with them. When you get into these situations and in Ohio, DeWine had recent – the governor, Governor DeWine had recently introduced an executive order with Attorney General Yost in regards to this is what police agencies in the state of Ohio should be following. Now, they have taken that to the state legislature to codify that into Ohio law. It's not codified yet. So departments that are doing it now – Are doing it voluntarily and also through a program called the ohio collaborative which is the state's push to professionalize all 900 plus agencies in the state of ohio and to all get them on board with a systematic and consistent policy and procedure one tier one tier and in addition to that use of force is one of those primary key elements of that ohio collaborative to make sure that all police agencies in the state of ohio are following the same rule and walking the same line. You know what, my friend? That's great, but it'll never happen. <laughs> that would never happen. It happens if the state legislature. It won't get that far. It. That's
0: where the politics comes in. At true. See yes. that's that's where the politics comes. There's no, I don't see that. Ha- don't see that happening. So I go back to the individual leader of that judicial system. You know, for you, if, if you mm-hmm. come into a, a big position, I will hold you responsible for the men. And I should be. Yeah. See that? I'll yes. hold you responsible for, you know, for the men out there. Something happened. I'm calling you. Mm-hmm. I talked to, the, you know, whoever position you might be in. <laughs> and uh, I would like to talk to you about that. Right. See that? But that's not, uh, should we say, apparent with a lot of law enforcement officers because they won't even, you know, pick up the phone and talk to you. We couldn't even get a, a police chief over here in the city of Valeria. I'm being truthful. We asked him to come and talk. He wouldn't even do it. And you know who he is. And I'm not going to mention his yes. name. <laughs>
1: we're all servants of the public as we hold these positions. The other issue is is that my phone should be available to you, especially oh. now especially if a situation like this comes up because with the residents, all the residents. You really believe that? I do believe you
0: that. You have the open door policy for the residents to call your personal line to complain about something? You have to
1: have oh, come on, that Jack. That's not going to happen. It's it's got to happen. It never happen. <laughs>
0: that's it's like you. that's like me being the president. You just want to call me. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that.
1: Well, you call the office. Uh, uh, may, uh,
0: officer uh, Hall is busy right now. Can I take a message? <laughs> that's what's going to happen.
1: And it's my responsibility for me or somebody in my staff to get back to you to answer that question. That's so. like your personal doctor calling you. That doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Right. I mean, it'd, be
1: a great, it'd be a great
0: idea, but did you ever see that happening?
1: Well, it's a great idea that has to be put into practice, especially today because you brought up the topic of police reform. Okay. So if we're not doing it now, we're saying reform is being put in place to make something to take it from where it is today to take it to a place where we want and need it to be. But I didn't say one word.
0: People haven't initialized that yet in position. See that? Right. That's where it begins at. Okay, so a person of your caliber, if you got to a high position in law enforcement, you are saying that you would have the open-door policy for residents to call you about any situation— we have to have.
1: Ooh. We have to, but it's m- not m- only what? my door. I, yeah, my door. It's the door of every officer on the department has to be able to have that policy as well, too.
0: One step is a step forward. So we got to begin with you first. See that
1: it all begins with okay, the top so person. Okay, so it all begins. Begin, that's it. So therefore, yes. you
0: can initiate the domino effect. Right. If you do, if you would do something like that. Yeah. Again, there's no reform there. There's no transparency there. Once they, I mean, once he take off his hat and badge, he's at home. That's over. See, you'd be a different type of person, you know, in the high position. <laughs> well, okay, hang on, hang on, hang okay. on. Okay, this we're keeping this thing real. Can we keep it real? Absolutely, yes. Do you feel that if you be, use that kind of chemistry, would you be disrespected then? Oh, that's all Jack Hall, and I know him. We went fishing somewhere in the Black River, and he fell and almost drowned. He told me not to tell no one.
1: <laughs> okay? There, the, <laughs> there are going to be people okay. that are not going to agree with reform. There are going to be people that are not going to agree with all the standards that you want to put forward. There are people who have benefited from the way that it always has been. Uh, I've been in law enforcement for over three decades now. And we have this constant conversation that comes up when somebody asks, why are we doing it this way? And the response is because we've always done it that way. Correct. And so therefore, we don't listen to anybody with the new idea. We don't listen to anybody with the new concern because it's worked for us for this long. So in other words, you're saying, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Many times, it's what people feel. But it's broke. It's, it's broken. <laughs> Society changes. Technology improves, we become different people as we move through the history of who we are. We look at ourselves as a country, for example. We're a different country today than we were, say, back in the 1860s. However, provisions by law have been put into place in the 1860s that still have not been complied with today. And that equals what? That equal, well, funny, you should use the word equal. Okay. <laughs> because we talk about the 14th Amendment to right. the United States Constitution. Right. Okay. In 1868, is when the 14th Amendment was ratified. Wayne, that's the first time in the United States Constitution that the word equal ever appears in the history of the Constitution as the 14th Amendment. So, but do they utilize equality? There you go. Okay, and that's where the problem has existed, and why we have the troubles that we have today. Now, you going to reform started in eighteen sixty eight. Yeah, but how far did it go? Not too far before it was reformed. Reformed, if I (laughs) can say
0: that. Okay, so you know, now going back to the eighteen hundreds. I'm glad you said that. Okay, let's look at the minorities. Okay, eighteen sixty five, free from slavery.
1: Thirteenth Amendment,
0: right? Okay. 17, 6, 1776, The Declaration of Independence was written. Correct. That is correct. Tied that in with eighteen sixty five. Didn't apply to them, did it?
1: No. Even though it said all men were created equal, that's my point. Of that's my point.
0: So now, almost four or five hundred years of conditioning. How do you expect the people to say, "Oh, the amendment, uh, the Constitution. that doesn't. Affect, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm a black American." True. See that. So that's the problem. <laughs>
1: It applies to Native Americans. It applies to Hispanic Americans. It applies to black Americans. And then when you look at every new group that has immigrated to this
0: country. I got to throw something in there real quick. Listen, everyone, those who listen to this podcast, I'm not a racist, okay? I'm just ping-ponging, a ping pong back and, you know, pinging off my friend here just, just to try to reach a common ground. I'm not a racist at all, okay? It won't get you nowhere. We have enough racists as it is out there. But a, a quick war story. When I was working for a, a airlines, someone came in on the 4th of July and said, Happy 4th of July, brother. And I know it was sarcastic, this way he said it. I said, Are you talking to me? Yeah. He said, Happy 4th of July. I said, Well, do you know your history from 1860 to 1865? What was I doing when you had your independence? Go tell them on the mountain with a chain and ball on my leg in the big house. So now I'm supposed to celebrate that, see their attitudes? Mm-hmm. And blacks really think like that. Right. Thanksgiving. Well, what that do with that? You came and massacred the Indians, so what are you giving things about? See that? So why, uh, why don't we just do it every day, give thanks, instead of using a certain day? You know, so this is the mentality a lot of the minorities, particularly blacks in the United States. They look at the history and see the history never applied to them. But now uh, the present, should we say, circumstances They want that to apply to the history, which never applied. All men, you know, it doesn't, it never applied. Correct. Okay, so this is the problem that we have. So now with law enforcement, how can you fit in reform when we have a big dividing point here, North and South? It's still here,
1: alive and well. It's not going anywhere soon. We have a huge dividing point in the country, and then when you look at that dividing point locally, I'm going to go back to the 2000 election, okay, and that's when Trump and Hillary Clinton were running. I recall seeing a news clip of Hillary Clinton before the NAACP National Conference in Cincinnati, Ohio that year. She made the promise to the NAACP, and she said, I'm going to – if I'm elected president, I'm going to initiate law enforcement reform federally across the country. Wayne, here's the problem with that, is is that even though the federal government through the Supreme Court, the federal courts, the United States Constitution, there are hundreds of examples that we could spend three hours on this podcast talking about and regarding black Americans being affected by court decisions and legislation that were created by the federal government and then by individual states as well that the federal government upheld those individual states to have their rights in those laws that they were upholding, separate but equal, the Jim Crow laws, things like that that were taking place. And then finally, the federal government steps in in a case near Atlanta, Georgia regarding a hotel chain that said when the 1964 Civil Rights Act came out, and they said Congress had the right to regulate the Civil Rights Act, in that particular case that had happened they said, you don't have the right to tell me who I can have in my hotel and who you can't. You remember the Green Book? It right. used to be published for right. black Americans where they could go stay. Right. That those hotels would be accepting of them. So this particular hotel chain just outside of Atlanta fought this and they said, we have the right to do this because Congress cannot tell us what to do. They came back, the government did, and they said, you take credit cards? Yes. Do you take cash? Yes. Do you accept travelers from all over the United States to your hotel? Yes. Then you're engaging in interstate commerce. So therefore, Congress does have the right right. to regulate that. So that ended the entire Green Book situation that was taking place in the South. So primarily, Black Americans have been affected by that. We could talk about Native Americans. We could talk about several other groups, but many of them were targeted. You had situations from federal law that targeted Native Americans too, pushing Native Americans onto reservations. To this day. To this day. But the one law that is still in effect is is that the 14th Amendment, which has been interpreted by the United States Supreme Court multiple times, has said that all men were created equal. Women in this country still are not considered equal under the law. Which is I agree with you with that. And that's why the 28th Amendment back in 79 and 80 was passed, just ratified by Virginia in 2020. And Virginia said, we ratified it. You have people in Congress saying, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Congress put a time limit on that. You guys are way past the date that the 28th Amendment was supposed to be ratified. Virginia's fighting back. And they're saying, you show me where. In the United States Constitution, that there's a time limit. We still have women, fifty-two percent of the population in this country, who aren't equal as well. So we are holding many people back.
0: I I, I really see this as see individuals or should we say uh, laws like this as hypocritical. If I may say, just from a religious point of view, using syntax or semantics, the word "man" means
1: human beings. I agree with you on
0: that. Human beings are made equal. See that they took the human being and. Slicing, you know, right down the middle, still having diversity problem with women, females, and males. I, mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't understand this. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. A person's a person, but yeah, you're right. Females don't have problem, but yet we have religious fashions out there like uh, Islam and them that say women won't have, you know, rights that they have that men have in public equal rights, correct? Okay, equal rights, but well, fine. But
1: for human beings, everyone should be treated equally, and that's what our United States Constitution. But it's hypocritical though, isn't it? Yes, because we have not upheld that. That law has been in place since 1868 and we haven't completely upheld it to this day. Well,
0: God rest his soul. Like James Brown said in one of his songs, talking loud and saying nothing.
1: And saying nothing. (laughs) That's that's
0: exactly what it is right there. And and it's a problem to this day. See, so – Again, my friend, I don't see a quick fix for any type of reform.
1: Even though we're talking about it,
0: I don't see it happening.
1: Well, I'm gonna go back, go back to the conversation I was talking about, Hillary Clinton addressing right. the NAACP conference in 2000. Okay. And she said, we're going to start reform if I'm elected to office. My problem is instructing all over this country for over two decades Racism in Cleveland is not the same that it is in Illyria. That it is in Winston. let's give some situations, let's, hypothetical situations. Let's make up some. What's the difference?
0: Make up a situation with Cleveland and Illyria. Okay, let me hear
1: one. It all comes down to, to what? what there is. Quote: I'm going to call it a community standard. Okay, that's allowed. Now, the Fourteenth Amendment affects the entire United States, no matter if you're in Cleveland or if you're in Illyria or wherever else. So, therefore, you may have a situation. In Illyria, for example, that uh, you may have a black American engaged in some type of activity, business, whatever, and that black American may have more respect in their community than the same black American in the same situation in Cleveland. But the federal mandate says both of them should be created what? Equal. There you go. But they're not. I agree with you.
0: So how, if possible, can that have some type of
1: Reform. <laughs> the reform has to start locally. The reform can't be. You, you can throw We've been throwing money at the big problem yeah. since was, the mid '60s. Right. When when Congress passed the Civil Rights Act. How much have we improved since the mid '60s today? I'm a white American. You're a black American. From your viewpoint, how have we improved since? The we mid-60s? haven't. Okay. I do not want to be attached to a mandate
0: saying that because of this principle of policy, we have to allow you to do this. No, 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 no. See, that I don't like that. That means it's not coming from the heart still. Right. You're forced to do it. So the affirmative action principles, I don't go along with that right, because you are forced to do something which you really don't want to do. Right. That's not good. And who
1: created that? Who created The it? federal government. That's right. So therefore, we attempted at the national level— to create this system and process to be put into place, which many black American friends that I've talked to about this have also said the exact same thing. You know how much diversity and division that cause? Well, they got X amount of person going to this school
0: because the federal government said they have to have X amount of minorities in the school, so that eliminates the whites. <laughs> that caused friction, doesn't it? it
1: causes great friction, yes. See, that, so
0: that's not, that's not,
1: that's not the, what word I'm that's not the, uh, the solution. No, not the solution. And then here's the other problem this causes. Law enforcement is probably the most visible form of government that's out there. I agree with that. Okay. So when these laws get passed, who are the ones that are stuck enforcing these laws? Law enforcement. Law enforcement. And so therefore, when we have mistrust in the system, being the legislation, when we have mistrust in the courts, and we can go
0: back. But, you know, maybe say this real quick, Jack. I was watching a YouTube video about this police officer, and it was a black lady. She was she had like four or five kids. She stole some eggs. Mm-hmm. They called the police. This is the you know one of the many times. Many times I said kudos to that police officer. Mm-hmm. He came in, and the lady was crying. Okay, I just I just wanted some eggs for my children. He said, "This is one time I'm not going to enforce the law." See, you have the power to do that.
1: We do. You yes. see that?
0: We need more of
1: that. And that's why when we get into these zero tolerance policies, right. uh, this uniform enforcement of the law, that's where I tell you it comes down to the individual situation and the individual relationship between the officer and the people of that officer's I agree community with how they're going to interact. And Wayne, that's what? where it has to start because here, let, let me tell you something. Let's go back to the federal government. This is not to bash the federal government session, but law enforcement will get grant money quite a few times to do something. So how do we measure the effectiveness of a police department that's received grant money? And of course, that department wants to go back and say, hey, we want to get this funding again next year. We want to get the funding again. How do we measure that? How would you? There's only one way they do it. They measure it by statistics. How many arrests did you have? And here's another thing. I used to work for. Wow. Okay, I I didn't think about that. Yeah, I used to work for a police chief years Mm -hmm. ago, and he was big on statistics. And so he would print out, "Here's what patrol operations is doing. Here's what special operations is doing." And then he would put every officer and their statistics down. This officer is underperforming. This officer is doing a great job because she's overperforming. So therefore, we looked at the statistics. But you know what? You're right about that because.
0: That's used in my profession, church. He paid this much tithes this year? Yes. See that? Statistics. Yes. That's wrong. Anyway, you look it's at it, very wrong.
1: Wrong. Because the officer who's underperforming and his supervisor comes to him and says, You need to pick up the pace in regarding citations because you only have nine for this month, you're supposed to have seventeen. Now we're not supposed to have a quota. Right. But where does the officer go, Wayne, to improve those statistics? You know where he goes exactly. The <laughs> underprivileged communities. Yes, i say so it. the black community, the, the ghettos. Plate yes. line. I'm looking for whatever else. That's Why? it's, it's it. Easy picking to get them. Easy. So instead of but worrying see, about number but, of tickets or arrests that we make, we have but, to be measuring the relationship between okay. the department and the community. We got a few more minutes. Let's use that. Okay, you go to. Okay, I got to get my stats up. Oh,
0: this guy's taillights burned out. Didn't even know. Okay, mm-hmm. you know your taillights burned out. Okay, I didn't know that. Get out the car. Got your ID. You see, it escalates, doesn't it? It absolutely it's, does. And before you know it, you got a uh, black man shoot, blah, 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 shot, blah, blah, blah. See that? Where does it stop?
1: You have to look at those situations as, okay. for example... We need. We, we have a JVS here in Lorraine County. Right. Okay. We have an entire auto program out right. there for that JVS program. Right. We have a deputy assigned as a school resource officer to the JVS program. Well, look what – okay. We don't okay. want to talk about the, it, those in schools now. Right. It's still a violation. The officer can still pull the car over. However, instead of needing to get a statistic because the officer is low in a certain category – What's wrong with giving them a correction order? It going to the JVS program. Let's speak about that. Let's speak about that real quickly.
0: Resource officers in schools. Look at all the problems they are having with them.
1: Yeah. You see that? It's, they're not there for that. Right. So therefore, what is their title? <sighs> School or community resource officer. Right. So well, they're
0: abusing the the kids in there and everything. They're taking the outside and bringing it into the uh,
1: the inside now. That's all they're doing. Yeah. So we have to look at how all of these systems interact, how we can build trust in the community. And Wayne, it all comes down to one thing. What's that? You want to live in a safe place. True. As a police officer, I want to ensure that you have a safe place to live. But does that happen? Well, that's the common ground okay. that we can all start on. I want to give you a safe place to live. You want to live in a safe place. We've well, we got statistics
0: out there saying that um, – if you want your paycheck to be better, do this, do that, right? And that's the problem, That's the yes. problem. Hey, you know what? The old clock on the wall says that's all. we got to uh, do a part two probably in the near future about reform with law enforcement in our judicial system. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email me at canonpodcast, W-C-A-N, at yahoo.com. And uh, if you have a question for Mr. Hall, make sure he get that email. I will forward that email right to him. And to all of one, have a good evening and we see you.